Hello, friends. It's been a while. It's been over a year since we last talked about John or Roswell or anything UFO related, and in that time, a lot has happened. Listeners all over the world flocked to hear this story. We won a podcast award, and tourists in Roswell made my jewelry shop part of their must-see attractions while they were in town, and I'm always happy to meet fans of the show. When fans meet me, they usually compliment the show or they say something about the pictures of my granddad on the walls of my store, and some of them are surprised to find out I'm even a real person. At some point, fans like to ask me questions about the show, and since season two, I've gotten one question more than any other. What's the deal with Denise? What happened? Did you ever hear back from her again? I admit I don't have a good answer for that when I'm asked. Usually I tell fans, it's all there in the show. I've taken the story to its furthest conclusion, and that was that. I had no intention or expectations of a season three. But, here we are. And you're tuning in because you've been hanging on for more. I have to tell you, I really didn't expect to be back, but here I am with a story to tell. And it's all because someone in this podcast told a lie. Buckle up, Crash fans because there's more to the story. This is Crashed in Roswell, survivors in a misunderstood city. First things first, I need to get some things off my chest. I've lost a little sleep over this podcast ever since the end of season two. I've wrestled with something since then, and frankly, I thought if I ignored it, it would all go away. But it didn't. And that's thanks to you, the listeners. You kept contacting me, messaging me, or coming in my store to share your stories and ask me questions. And I always felt bad when I gave a vague answer to your questions. It's all on the show. Go listen again and you'll find something new, I'd say. Yeah, right. About that. You see, someone lied in the podcast, and I knew about it when season two began to release. It was the kind of lie that changes the story ever so slightly, perhaps even changes your opinion about a person. When I sat down with my fellow producers, those names you hear at the end of episodes like David Langford or Ryan Bishop, we talked about this lie and we unanimously chose to stay silent on the matter even if it pained us to do so. Why? Because in the end, it doesn't change the message of this podcast. This show was, is, and will be my love letter to the city I am so closely tied to. No, this lie wasn't done out of malicious intent, and we the producers knew that it wasn't. It didn't change the message. It didn't seem at first to alter a timeline or blow the lid off something. It seemed to be what some people call a little white lie. But like all lies, it balloons until it almost explodes, and since the end of season two, it's been ballooning away. What is the lie? Well, we will get to that, I promise. We have a lot of things to talk about, old friends to visit with, new ones to meet, and perhaps hear from voices long since past. By the end of this season, I want to leave you thinking about our relationship to truth, to eyewitnesses, and to this podcast. What do we do when something we believe in is soiled with even a single lie? Does it spoil the whole thing, 
Or is there something still left in the story to believe in? Maybe it can be about UFOs, and one lie makes us reject the whole theory of UFOs. Maybe it's something bigger, like family or faith, and one lie from our past turns it all inside out. Is there something still left to believe in, or are we left a deconstructed mess? That's what I want to explore with you in this new season of Crashed in Roswell, the lie that changes everything. We'll talk about who our suspects are, and we'll investigate what our suspects lied about, when the lie first showed up, and why they lied in the first place. By the end, we'll ask, how can we be sure about anything? About John's story? About Roswell? About UFOs? Or even something bigger than that? This is a big, scary journey to embark on, and like any journey, it's best to start out with an old friend. I want to take a moment and thank our season sponsors, the UFO Festival, held here in Roswell, New Mexico, every 4th of July weekend. If Roswell is on your list of places to visit, then the UFO Festival is the best time to come visit Roswell. There is a ton of things to do. It's great for kids, it's great for adults, it's great for families. There's tons of activities like carnival activities and, and workshops and research times and silly pet contests. If you're serious into UFO researching or you're just having a passing fancy with it, you think it's quirky and silly, then there's something fun going on here in Roswell. And when you're done, there's so much more to see in the Roswell community that it's worth taking an extra day just to see what's going on around town. The UFO Festival is the best time of year to come visit Roswell. And this year, 2022, is the 75th anniversary of the UFO crash outside of Roswell. That said, you can be guaranteed there's going to be some really exciting stuff happening here in Roswell. To see the lineup of what's going on and what you can come check out while you're here, go to ufofestival.com. Before we get to the lie at hand, it bears mentioning that tall tales and fibs are no stranger to the UFO lore. Since the beginning of the Roswell Conspiracy, we've had to deal with a load of lies masquerading as truth, starting with the weather balloon excuse. The U.S. government came out soon after the Roswell story broke with the explanation that the material recovered was nothing more than a weather balloon that fell out of the sky. That story was proven to be totally made up. So what is the smoking gun evidence that the weather balloon story was made up? I think the first-hand witnesses that testified about what took place that day, and particularly the rancher that found it because he knew what weather balloons were. He had recovered some. They had a tag on them from the Air Force for a reward. As a poor ranch foreman, he would take that tag down to the base, get a couple extra dollars. He could use the money. So I put a lot of confidence in the rancher himself. And then there have been other witnesses over the years that have come forward and talked about that. That is Dennis Balthaser again, UFO researcher and recently retired Roswell tour guide. Dennis is an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to Roswell. For all the facts he's uncovered, though, he's uncovered a mountain of hoaxes. So you've seen some UFO hoaxes in your day. Is there one that sticks out in particular? One that I personally had, yeah, in 1997, when 
I got a call. I was with the UFO Museum at the time, and I got a call from a gentleman in Oklahoma who said his dad had pieces of the metal. From the crash? From the crash. He was a military policeman here, he said. Terminal cancer, had six months to live and all that. I went to Oklahoma. I never got to meet the guy. I met two people, a man and woman, came in, met, told me to meet him at a Denny's restaurant. I walked in there and he said, are you Dennis? I said, yeah. He said, you gentlemen you plan on meeting won't be here. I spent two and a half hours with him. He gave me a lot of factual information, but he also gave me a lot of information that I couldn't verify. I worked out for 12 years, Freedom of Information Act request, worked with uh, Frank Warren out of California, with Stanton Friedman, the original researcher on Roswell. After 12 years, we finally found the woman, and she said that it was her ex-husband, and that he did it as a joke. Now, the side effects of that are, I still believe it was 95% a hoax. I have to leave 5% open. But what, is, what has happened because of it is a psychological effect. If my wife and I go to eat dinner at a restaurant, I want to face the door. I want to know who's coming in the door. This is all these years later. Hmm. We don't talk about it. The wife and I don't talk about it. She knows I'm going to look at that door. And we just do it. Huh. A guy has some metal he claims is extraterrestrial or UFO-related and leads a researcher on a wild goose chase that ultimately goes nowhere. That doesn't sound familiar or anything, does it? I would bet your BS meter for these kinds of things is pretty good at this point. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. You've heard a lot of it. What are the telltale signs for you of a made-up story versus something that may have some credibility? The bodies are a problem for me to try to prove that there actually were bodies based on the witnesses I've talked to or others I've talked to. There's an indication there actually were bodies, but there again, we don't have the proof. We don't have proof of a piece of metal. We did several digs out at the, at the site with the University of New Mexico Archaeological Group, uh, sponsored by the Sci-Fi Channel took a bunch of bags of material, did find a thing. The reports we have was they cleaned it up shoulder to shoulder more than one time with military people. We figured there might be holes out there from warmints and stuff. There could be stuff underground because of the sandstorms we have here could have covered it up over the 75 years. I think some more research should be done out of the site because I think there may still be some debris out there so how, how can you tell if something's, if someone, something someone's telling you is not, it's, it's just a hoax? That it's comes just... with 30 years of research. You start reading people. And James Bond Johnson took the pictures in General Ramey's office of Major Marcel with the weather balloon on the floor. Made, General, uh, made Major Marcel be the scapegoat for Roswell, top intelligence officer in the world. James Bond Johnson took the pictures. I interviewed him three times. The first time he knew nothing about Roswell other than he took the pictures. The second time I interviewed him, and those were on my website when it was still up, he knew a little more. The third time he knew a lot. So one of the things you run into with witnesses is embellishing their involvement or lying about it. 
And it's really hard sometimes to distinguish the two and find the truth. You find consistencies, and then you compare that with the inconsistencies that people are telling right. you. Right, yeah. It's tough research, it really is. I know you're familiar with the story that I've gotten from John and his family. If I told you that I discovered a lie in his story, how would that affect your view of the witness or of his story? Well, I've listened to the podcast, and as a researcher, he was extremely believable. But there were some things there, I think, that probably would not be proven. Let's take Dennis's advice concerning this show. Have you really been as critical about picking the show apart as you should have been? Maybe you think you already know what the lie in question is, but how can you be so sure? How can you be sure about anything when it comes to the Roswell lore? After all, it started with one little lie, that the material recovered was just a weather balloon. Only, it wasn't a weather balloon, and therefore it was something else. And if it wasn't something important, why concoct a story covering it up? And why did the government spend so many years concealing what happened from the public, from officials, from presidents, even to this day? If they had said nothing at all about a weather balloon, maybe the story would have gone away. Maybe if they had said it was all a military test to fight the good fight against communists, it would have blown over. But they didn't. So one little lie turned into a mountain of conspiracy. Now, this little lie of mine has developed into its own mountain. How is that, you may ask? Well, it's all because of a question I kept getting. What happened to Denise? One day the dam broke for me. A couple of fans came into the store asking me questions about the show. They couldn't stop pressing me about Denise. They desperately wanted to know had to know what happened there. They wanted to know what it was like being ghosted. I gave them a canned answer. It's all on the show. Go listen again. But it wasn't good enough. Maybe I need to do another Q&A, I told them. But in my heart, that answer wasn't good enough either. They left, perhaps no more satisfied with things than when they came in. But they left with a mark on me. And it was the final straw. The truth is... I haven't heard from Denise since our last phone call together, but I have heard about Denise and her dad, Hank, and her uncle, the man who started it all for me, John. I heard about them after the second season began to release, and what started as a small thing has snowballed into something quite big. It's amazing what one little email in my inbox from what I thought was a fan can do to the whole story. All right, can you state your name for the podcast? Certainly, Kyle. My name is Ethan. Now, I already know this, uh, but for the podcast, can you confirm, are you related to John and to Denise? Yes, I can confirm that. That's correct. Um, Denise is my mom, and um, John was my great uncle. Now, you think that John maybe made up some elements um, of his story or that he believed some things that may not have happened? Um, I think he may have misremembered some things or embellished a few things. Now, I get asked about your mom from time to time, um, why she ghosted me or why she disappeared from the story. Uh, do you want to talk about that at all? 
you know, I, I think she probably just realized too late that she got too involved. I think she jumped the gun a little bit and maybe got out a little, a little bit ahead of herself, if that, if that makes sense. On the next episode of Crashed in Roswell, I sit down with Dennis again as we pick away at some of the greatest UFO hoaxers and claims in recent history and try to figure out why they lied in the first place. We will hear a little bit more from Ethan about John's story. Plus, we begin our journey by narrowing the field of suspects in our story to discover who lied in this podcast. That's next time on Crashed in Roswell, Survivors in a Misunderstood City. My thanks to Ryan Bishop, Boyd Barrett, Dennis Balthaser, and David Langford for help on this podcast. Special thanks to Brian Hunley for writing our theme song. If you like the show, do us a favor by liking, subscribing, and following the podcast and leaving us a review. You can also check out more by going to crashedinroswell.com for behind-the-scenes content, crashed merch, and much more. <laughs>